Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So uh, I just wanted to go back for last week and just say thank you to all you guys who um, have been so receptive of my face reveal and uh, you know me kind of coming out on this platform. Um, it was a big deal for me, and it was you know a lot of work to do it. So thank you guys for doing that. And um, as I mentioned last episode of the podcast, I wanted to do a live um, for Christmas Day uh, for anybody who's struggling, maybe you miss loved ones or you don't have your kids or whatever it may be. But I'm I'm well aware that sometimes on these holidays, I've been there and you don't have your kids and you're really going through it. So I'm going to do a live on Christmas Day at 1230 p.m. East Coast time. So I'm going to do a live. Um, if anybody shows up, that's great. If they don't, you know, no harm, no foul, but uh, I just want to be there in case some people uh, need it. So that being said, this episode will come out on Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas to all of you who do celebrate. Um, I know, you know, I mentioned for me, this is a big deal for me. Um, I got the presents all wrapped. Everything's ready to go. And uh, I'm super, super, super excited for Christmas. So Merry Christmas to anybody who celebrates. Um, so this episode that I have going on this week, um, you guys know I'm super into my music and I came, I, I don't even actually remember how I came across this song. I believe a friend of mine sent me this song, um, but it's called How to Spot a Narcissist. So I reached out to the artist and I said, listen, I need to know what was the inspiration behind this song. Before we get into the interview, if you haven't heard the song, I'm going to put it on right here on this episode so you guys can check out the song and then I'll put the interview right after it. So here we go. Check out this song, How to Spot a Narcissist by Sasha M. One by one, he points out your mistakes. He wants his way on the highway. You both fall back on the same way. Still, you need a therapist. That's how you spot a narcissist. Until I get mad So jaded I'm faded Escaping, trying But I just can't You grew up with silver spoons No one can say no to you I'm tired Frustrated You're playing Acting like you're innocent One by one He points out your mistakes He wants his way On the highway That's how you spot a narcissist You're scared to speak 
perfection Can't see what's standing right in front of you Controlling, cause you don't know me Complacent, totally uninterested One by one, he points out your mistakes He wants his way on the highway You both fall back on the same way Still you need a therapist, that's how you spot a narcissist everybody welcome back into a brand new episode of dimming the gaslight so this is a very first for me you know how i am super into my music and i do my songs of the day and this is the very first time i've ever had a musician on this podcast um but for good reason i absolutely love this song who i have with me today is sasha m she came out with a song called how to spot a narcissist and i think one of my friends sent me this song and i turned it out and it's like one by one and like so i'm just listening go, oh shit oh shit oh shit this girl knows my life so i reached out said hey listen i made her song of the day and here she is to tell the story about the podcast so sasha welcome thank you so much matt it is my absolute honor that you found my song and you loved it so much i i'm so excited to be here and i'm so excited to talk um yeah thank you i also want to say that i so admire how you've been building your your community and you've been speaking your truth and that's so brave of you and um yeah that's something that i aspire to do so uh yeah i'm really inspired by what you're doing so thank you thank you thank you so much it's funny i always tell people like i feel like i'm just part of an army right and i'm so glad that there's people like you there's people like me we might not be doing the same thing but it's kind of similar because we're both in audio but like yeah we're just we're all part of the same army and it's all with the same intention of knocking down these narcissists so it's kind of funny I want to thank you for being here. I know you're in Singapore. I'm in the U.S. We have like a 13-hour difference. So I just woke up. I threw on my baseball hat. I know you're like just getting ready for bed. But thank you so much for doing this with us. Tell me. So it's funny. So one of my friends had a good question. And he's like, does she have actual experience with narcissism? Or is this just what she heard? So I wanted to get a little bit about your background and your experience with narcissism. I want to hear your story about how you ultimately came up with this song. Oh boy. I, well, I hope you could buckle down because I have got stories for you. <laughs> um, so, well, actually, this is going to be the first time that I actually talk about all of these experiences. So I'm a little nervous. nervous. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Listen, it's, it's a safe space. Like I said, I, you know, before we came on the air, I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody. If there's anything you say that makes you feel uncomfortable or anything, let me know and I'll always end it out. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Well, um, yeah, so, well, here goes. Um, yeah, uh, I've never talked about any of this before. Uh, the song was the first time that I, I started to address this this topic of narcissism. Um, and it's just like sort of the beginning of me learning about how to talk about it. Was like, you know, not just in terms of vocabulary, but also like bringing myself to speak about the topic, right? And um, the fact is that I've actually grown up uh, with narcissism. And so I've lived with it all my life, really. So this goes right into the hardest topic, I think, when it, when it comes to talking about narcissists, I think the hardest topic for that would be having a parent who's a narcissist because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's so personal. It's like, it's, you know, you, you can't, you can't follow your parents, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like for the longest time. So I had a weird upbringing, like for the longest time, it was, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about my parents. I think they did the best with what they did. They did the best with the cards that they're dealt, right? And mm -hmm. and um, but yeah, I struggle sometimes. You know, my I'm come from a broken home, quote unquote, a broken home. My parents were divorced, and um, you know, I have kids now. And looking back on it, you know, I just I'd like to think they did the best they could. You know, in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. We could always say they could do better, but I would not. I wouldn't say my parents are narcissists, but if your parents are narcissists, that's what I want to hear. Well, just just one. Um, <laughs> I I didn't even think that you know they weren't a narcissist 
until I, I started to learn what narcissism was about. Um, before How did you I discover narcissism, yeah. So um, I think it was really recent that I discovered narcissism, and that's because it's really the internet, right? Like people started talking about it, and then the the, the terms started coming up, and terms like um, darbo, and terms like you know um, uh, manipulation, uh, gaslighting. Um, I think gaslighting was the first term that I actually came across before I even learned about narcissism. So yeah. appropriate appropriate podcast title. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, yeah, it was, and also this whole, I think I had a personal journey into mental health. Like I started to want to learn more about mental health, how I'm doing, uh, why I do certain things. And I think also just having, finally having better examples around me to learn from, because before I just had nothing, I had no experience, um, no exposure, right, to these topics. So yeah, just really, really grateful that there are resources and have access to, you know, things to make me better and learn about these things yeah but, you know it's you know it's so weird for me like so i've talked about a lot of times on this podcast is like when i discovered narcissism like you can see me on the screen right now but it it felt like the walls were closing in on me because i knew about the term gaslight the word narcissism for some reason when i did my research it fell through the cracks and i never discovered what a narcissist was but when i really knew like you said darvo was a huge thing for me reactive abuse because i always say i'm no saint but like there's all these different terms that ultimately like they hit us and we go, oh, my God. It's like it's almost like we feel like I've been living with a serial killer for years. <laughs> that's like there's a moment of realization and you're like, oh, my God, how did I survive in that environment for so long? Yeah. It's shocking. And then and but then once you realize that you can never go back, I think that's the amazing thing, too. It's like once that switch goes off in your brain, you're like, well, I could never put myself in that situation ever again. And so we have no choice but to move on. And I think that kind of helps with healing in a way. I'd like to think so. I mean, like for me, like, yeah, I, I, I could never do it again. I could never put myself back in that position. The, it, you know, I've said a lot on this podcast, like I have to have learned something from this. You know what I mean? Yep. Have I learned nothing from this? I don't know. I couldn't live with myself. I have to learn a lot from this whole experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I learned, actually, I learned a few things um, from the podcast that, ref that helped me to reflect back on um, my, my childhood. So oh, I know one of the, thank you. Know, thank you. But one of the topics that came out, I think I, I heard it even just in the last episode um, was how, you know, there are sometimes parents, they use their children as pawns in uh, a domestic squabble. And then when I heard that, I was thinking, oh, what the hell? I have been that child I have been used in a domestic squabble you know like uh, like there, there would be times when this this parent was actually gonna would actually take me out of the house and you know like kind of like being kidnapped by, by your own parent you know <laughs> and um yeah. and and that was you know leverage for whatever argument that they were having so I, I that is weaponized so, so low yeah it's so low to weaponize your kids. Like, I don't understand it. And I just recently, a few episodes back, had the uh, ex-wife of the Wolf of Wall Street um, oh my God. on the podcast. Yeah. And she was saying, like, it's just so low to weaponize your children when, like, especially my kids were super, are super young. I have a seven and a half and a five-year-old. And they're so young. And they're also, like, I feel like the older one is a little bit more susceptible to this because... As he's getting older, it's almost like his brain is a little bit more, um, I don't know, moldable. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing is like, I don't understand like why parents would do this. Your kids, I saw a great meme on, on Instagram yesterday. It's like, your kids didn't cause your divorce. So why are they being brought into it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Were your parents divorced? Um, they weren't, but I think the only thing that kept them together was like traditional values. And, you know, I, I mean... We, we live in Asia. There's a lot of traditional values going on. Uh, I think divorce is very much uncommon. It's starting to get more common now, though. I, and, and honestly, I think it's healthier. I think, it, you know, if people are just going to have a toxic environment in the home, like they can't stand to be in the same house, then you should get divorced because otherwise you just create this horrible environment for your children to grow up in. I mean, honestly, like I've, I've got two brothers and like all of us, we we never learned how to communicate love right we never knew, knew how to be affectionate to each other we, we didn't even know how to deal with problems like if someone had a problem 
we just wouldn't address it because we were afraid that, you know, this, this person would blow up or, you know, we, we would upset them or whatever. Like we would just hide it. We would just sweep it on the carpet. And that's pretty much how our whole family operated. So like, you know, that, that then messes you up. Like you can't have healthy relationships because you don't know what it looks like. And uh, I mean, that definitely spilled into my, my school relationships as well. And I, I know I had some trouble. <laughs> right, um, like your own personal like relationships. Yeah. Yeah, like when I was growing up, like I had, I, you know, I had like some um, situations with like schoolmates that I just didn't know how to express myself properly. Um, and then, you know, I mean, it goes without saying that romantic relationships are pretty messed up too. So yeah, I just didn't know how to process my feelings. Um, I always had to like accommodate someone else. Like also didn't know how to sort of be myself as well. And then there was this struggle, this constant struggle to like, I can't be myself, but at the same time, I, I want to, and I don't know how, so then I rebel. And then it just becomes like this explosion of, you know, like, I want to break free. <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. I, I hate being controlled. I hate being manipulated. You know, I just want to find my own way. But then it's it's so unhealthy. And then I think nowadays about this topic of freedom and like, it's a big topic for me. You know, like I always thought that as, a, as an Asian child, um, you know, everybody parents want you to be you know a doctor a lawyer or something stable something very predictable but like I wanted to do theater right I wanted to do I wanted to perform I wanted to do my own thing I'm doing music now so um I always had to fight for that and then I always felt that freedom was something that I had to fight for freedom was something that had to rest from someone's hands right um and I think that just you know as I as I got older I started to realize that actually you know what freedom could be something that that people give you freedom could be something gentle freedom could be something loving you know and it's natural um so i'm really having a huge perspective change and like it's only in my adult life that i'm really starting to realize that i love it Um, i love it you know it's i was thinking while you were while you were talking your um school term relationships did you like so you hear like a psychology thing like tale as old as time is that like we didn't get the love from our parents so did you feel like while you were in school that you needed to get that love from someone else? Um, I I think I didn't know that I wasn't getting love from my parents, <laughs> and I I wasn't actively looking for something else. I didn't know what I I could have had basically and. I was kind of acting out with kids in school. I mean, it's good to think about this now because like, what if we have kids in the future? I mean, I'm sure it's very relevant for you. <laughs> uh, already. Were you a good kid in school or do, were you a troublemaker? How did that I happen? was a troublemaker, but I was like a, a good, I was like a- High five. Yes, high five. Definitely a troublemaker, definitely acting out. Um, but like, you know, in, in Singapore, you, you're not that bad, you know, like you, you can't ever be that bad because we're pretty- conservative here but yeah I think like I would just I would throw tantrums I would like you know I would lean heavily on other people I would like get mad I would like be super bitchy I think I was I must have been horrible <laughs> I must have been like a horrible child I was definitely a brat growing up and I like I mean I admit it uh, you know we we can't change our past but we can change our future so yeah um, but but also you can see how like that sort of upbringing or like almost conditioning you know while you're within the home is like it doesn't necessarily know how to come out and so it comes out in maybe this mischievous sort of behavior while you're younger because you're hurting and you know no one really understands narcissism so they don't understand how to help you and it comes out as kind of like a devious thing yeah so and then and then everyone thinks oh she's just or oh, they're just being naughty they're you know, no one taught them probably I and mean, i don't know if you have this uh, phrase uh but like over here, people will say, like, when they see a child that's misbehaving, the the phrase will be, no one taught them, right? <laughs> it's actually, like, a, a way of doing it, but they don't really mean it. Like, it, it's just a way of saying it. Like, they won't yeah. actually go to the parent and be like, you should teach your child. <laughs> it's yeah. not like that. Yeah. Like, it's ironic because, like, they should. They should have looked at the parents and been like, you should teach your child, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, um, and, you know, it's funny. Like, parents know that shit. Parents know that shit. So, like, if, if somebody says no one taught them, then like the parents have to already prepare for that to deflect, especially if you're a narcissist parent, you have oh, to boy. deflect that blame, right? Oh, so yeah. They're not okay. willing to take that blame, so it's going to fall all on you. They're too good, honestly. Like <laughs> they, They're so confident in themselves. I, 
Like I, I would never have imagined that parent to be a bad person because like I was, I was frequently being made out to be a bad person so much so that like, I wouldn't even imagine that, you know, it could be somebody else. Can you um, give us an example? Can you give us an example? Oh man. Um, I don't know. Like, um, sometimes I would, we had like rabbits, um, <laughs> we had rabbits and then like, this is a very small example. I would be in the pen with the rabbits and like I would be sort of like just playing with them and I would be messing with them. It's not like gentle playing, but like rough playing, right? But it was not harmful, I don't think. But I was just like having fun with them. And this parent talked to me afterwards and be like, oh, you know, you had such, when you were out there with the rabbits, you had this like evil look on your face. Like you really hated the rabbits. Like you were just, and I was like, what? <laughs> I'm a child. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Like I'm like I might be I might not be just like stroking them, but I might be like like you know, messing their, their ears a little bit or like you know, rubbing the fluffing of the fluffing of the fur, but like I'm not you know, grabbing them and throwing them at the wall or something. I'm, I mean, why do you make me sound like an evil person? I was That's like what they do. They analyze your fucking they analyze your body language like crazy. You just, so it's so funny. And overanalyze, overanalyze it. Everything. And it's so funny. So so I always say about this podcast, my favorite, favorite thing about this podcast is people tell a story that jogs my memory of something else. And um, a couple of months ago, I was talking about how I had a bad back and uh, my back went out on this, I was talking about it on the podcast. And so um, I've had two back surgeries, right? But one time before I got back surgery, I was with my necks. And I had to take anti-inflammatories to see if like the, the, you know, we could reduce the swelling prior to me having surgery. And I'll never forget my nex's mom. She looks at me and she goes, oh, Mac, I just hate seeing you so high right now. And I look at her and I look at her and I go, I'm on anti-inflammatories. These aren't like, excuse me. I'm It's like an upgrade of aspirin. It's like what? an upper version of aspirin. I'm not high, high, but I took anti-inflammatory. She goes, oh, Mac, I just hate seeing you so high. <laughs> My God. That is unbelievable. So your story about the rabbits, how, you know, you had this evil look in your eye. And that's the thing. That's the thing with narcissism is like they, they want you to prove a negative. How are you supposed to prove that? No, I didn't have this nefarious look in my eye because i was playing with rabbits no i'm not high you want me to go take a blood test like what the what but they want me to prove a negative yeah and it's not right it's not on you to prove it like they're the ones completely misreading the situation and twisting it so that you sound like a bad person yeah. it gets so bad and do you do you sometimes like like i remember when i was young um i actually developed this habit of just straight out lying about things <laughs> right like I would just not not say what I did that day or what I was thinking or whatever um and then just I would train myself to intentionally forget what I did so that I could convincingly lie so I don't trigger them so I don't like have them you know make me out to to sound like I did something no. bad it's, it's so unhealthy it's, it's such an unhealthy yeah so so here's another here's so your stories trigger stories of me that's what i love so i used to manage a sales team and i managed like six different people and one of the people that i managed happened to be you know a, a good looking brazilian girl okay no. but there was nothing going on and so one day when i was training her to join my team i took her with another one of the sales reps and the sales rep says to her he says listen i'm gonna bring you in this store you know um this one manager, he goes, you're pretty. She'll buy, he'll buy anything from you. Like he was kind of hitting on her, right? Oh, so I get home from work and I tell my next this story. I didn't say that. The other guy said that you're pretty. And I was honest, right? I was honest. And I said, yeah, that's what he said. Thinking yeah. nothing of it. I wasn't thinking anything of it. So she comes back and she's like, well, do you think she's pretty? Do you think she's pretty? Do you think she's pretty? I go, no, that's what the other guy said. I'm her manager. So one day. A part of my job was to go over sales reports and go over numbers with my sales reps. So I texted my sales rep, who was the Brazilian girl, and I said, do you want to get lunch? Meaning to go over the sales reports. Three o'clock in the morning, I get a phone, boom, right in my nose, 
and she goes, want to get lunch? And I go, it's fucking sales reports. It's sales reports. And she's like, go get lunch with her. Go get lunch with her. So then whenever I had to go out with this sales rep, I would never talk to, I would never tell my next. Mm. I would never tell her again. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. I mean, that's such a huge overreaction. I mean, honestly, like if if she had respectfully asked you like, what's going on and, and, you know, like given you the benefit of the doubt, given you a chance to explain yourself, then this would never have happened. But like, what does she expect me to do? Am I supposed to fire the girl? <laughs> like what? what is the expectation of me? Like, and, it was just like, but so I totally and this get is professional. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's yeah. professional. Like, there is a boundary, you know, like you, you would get in trouble too if you were, you know, trying to proposition someone on a personal level in a work situation. I mean, right. you're not going to do that to yourself. It's, right. It's ridiculous. So that's why I'm saying these stories that you have are things that I go through too, because you're like, I'm not doing anything. And that's, that's the great thing too. When you come out of it, I, I, I have always said to myself, my conscience is clean. You know what I mean? My conscience is clean. That's why it was so hard for me when she put false allegations on me to be like, you know, I didn't do any of this shit. And that's why, like, I'm so adamant about fighting for it because I know I didn't do it and I can prove. See, when they say you can't prove a negative, I can prove that. I didn't do it. <laughs> that's anyway. Awesome. I, sorry. Not about me. Go back to you. No, <laughs> all good. All good. Yeah. So I think. I think one thing that came out of this also was that it carried over into my my adult life and um, like relationships and everything. I definitely um, did not make good choices or, you know, not, an, not in terms of like choosing the person, but I, did, I think I didn't make good choices in my relationship to do healthy things like, you know, um, set expectations, set boundaries, um, communicate my, my emotions, you know. Um, I just didn't know how to do any of that. And so like that's, I think that was very detrimental to, uh, I have like one long-term relationship um, and several other small ones, but this one, this one long-term one was like- long-term one, can I ask? It was like 10 years. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) do you mind if I ask how old are you? Oh, a lady never reveals her age. Okay, well, whatever. (laughs) I mean, I would guess you're maybe, I mean, you're less than 30. I would think that's like a ten. That's a third of your life. That's a third of my life. Yeah, it's a good chunk of my life, Jesus and it's probably some of my best years. Um, some people would say, but you know, I I think my best years are still ahead of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But I'm just saying, that's a third of your life. Yeah. Was it Dead. was with? So hold on a second. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Let's do some math here. You grow up with mm-hmm. toxic parents. You have a ten year relationship. <laughs> With and a toxic person. <laughs> with a toxic person. So this is more than a third of your life. It's this pretty much like, my whole life, right? Really. And yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's funny, but it's also like... Oh, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, it's funny, scary. Yeah, <laughs> you need a therapist. That's how he spotted narcissists. Fuck, man. Oh, tell me about that. Um, Yeah, we're, we're, moving, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. It's never too late. <laughs> but yeah, I, I um I think that uh, I didn't it didn't help that this person was a narcissist. I think they didn't start off like this. My my ex, right? I should call him my next too. Um, um, he, I don't think he was a narcissist to begin with. I think he's just like you know everyone everyone has their own struggles, right, and their own um, issues that they try to go through. But like I think that me also not being good at uh managing that and organizing the relationship you know like setting boundaries etc i allowed him to walk all over me in a way and so then he kind of got emboldened to do things that really crossed the line you know and it's crazy because i could only see the good i was (laughs) i was like a typical you know like empathic (laughs) um head over heels kind of young girl kind of person um and and you know, when you're, especially when you first meet a person, like you're so enamored by them and, you know, everything they do is is perfect. They're so attractive. They're so funny. He was also very confident. He was the kind of guy who, he had like main character energy. So like, you know, when he was in the room, like everyone would know him and, you know, he would get along with everybody. Everybody liked him. So he stood out for me, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a head of a heel. 
and then um and then but then we kind of fell into a relationship too and like i think the beginning of it was so amorphous there wasn't any definite okay let's now commit to being in a relationship which is one of the things i now knowing about that i regret or that i wouldn't want to do that again because we never really defined what we were going to be and so i wasn't very sure whether this was going to go somewhere or like we're just kind of hanging out you know maybe he was uh, keeping his options open yeah right but maybe but then like also you know after several years you kind of like fall into sorry fall into like a pattern uh like the 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 relationship uh, patterns right so like then you're kind of like okay we are in a relationship we never talked about it but then we also wouldn't have the conversations that come with a with being in a relationship like you know how usually you're like oh where are we going to go from here like what do we want in our lives etc which worked for me actually because back then you know every all i wanted to do was to be an artist right like i was very much career oriented and i didn't know how much time it would take for me to get to where i wanted to go but and then he also wasn't sort of like rushing to have a family or whatever. I, I think he wanted one, but like there was no timeline on it. He was older though, so he should have had more of a timeline, but not really. <laughs> I mean, guys, <laughs> yeah, like how long are you going to wait around? But I mean, for guys, I think that you guys have it easier because like you don't have like a time. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, so like a I shelf, used to shelf life. <laughs> would you say? You, you know, it's funny. I used to call it my biological clock because that's what I hear from from women is their biological clock is ticking. And really what that uh-huh. means is listen, the older I get, the chances get lower, the field yeah. of, of prospects gets more. Oh. Like, for me, for me is like, that's, that's how I felt, you know, like that's how I felt is that I was like, we had been dating for over a year. A lot of my, fr- I was, I was 30, I think at the time. And a lot of, I had friends who were on like their second or third kid married oh, wow. for 10 years. I'm seeing everybody on Facebook getting married for Christmas or some other dumb shit. And I'm like, here I am. What am I going to do? Like, I know things aren't perfect, but what am I going to do? I'm going to break up with her and start over with somebody else. I felt like this was my last chance. And again, I was only 30. So why did I feel that way? It was just conditioning, I guess, from society, you know? Damn. Yeah. Man, uh, it's good to hear that perspective because now I think about it. Well, all of his friends were also married with kids. So like, why didn't he feel the pressure to like, buckle down or whatever? Um, I think deep down they know. Now we're getting... Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> deep down they know. Deep down they know though that they wouldn't be great parents or partners. That's and I think, they, I think they have like a guilt thing that like they don't want to... Maybe some of them don't want to push it too far because they know that's not where they belong. Ooh, yeah, that's possible. It's just a hypothesis. But honestly, like, uh, let me tell you a juicy story too on this topic. Oh my gosh, I didn't think. Please, but this <laughs> so juicy. Wow, the tea, the piping hot tea. Um, so like on this on this topic, like, uh, he was constantly going to visit like his friends' kids. Uh, like, you know, he would he was like the the favorite uncle, right? So he would like get them gifts. Um, he would like always. And like a, a lot of his friends are overseas, so like we go and visit them. He would bring some gifts from Singapore, etc. And so you know he's like the perfect uncle. And then I would see him play with his kids, and I would see him like sort of be really happy. And you know I felt that he really he loves kids. And in a in a moment of empathy, <laughs> I actually said, "Well, you know what." I I know I'm like really focused on well firstly I know that we never really talked about this much um but secondly I know I'm really focused on my career right now but I want to say that I see you you know with these kids and I see how happy you are and like if that's something that you want I would be happy to talk about maybe putting my career on hold so we could start a family Oh my god! <laughs> I got such adult communication. <laughs> um, I I was it was just like a moment of like strong empathy and like thinking about it. Obviously, like it would be crazy for me to do that because like especially as as a a female performer, like we also worry about you know like getting older and like not being as attractive. So it's it's a big sort of like sacrifice, right? But like I was really thinking about that at that time. Um, it was just kind of like how can I. How can I give you what you want in your life? Um, and then <laughs> and you will not believe his response. Okay. <laughs> so 
at this time, um, I think like financially we could have we could have done it because he was making a hell lot of money. Okay, and he was fine. I was not so much fine because I was working as a performer and I was doing these like re- like whatever jobs that that came. So I was like very financially unstable. So his response was, "Are you even financially ready to have a kid right now?" <laughs> your response I was so shocked because I didn't expect to get judged for my finances when I'm offering something for him like this is not for me <laughs> you know like I don't want to have a bad like don't get me wrong you know yeah. you're completely mis- I mean eventually but just like not at this time <laughs> no but like also like if if like you know we want to do that then obviously we would talk about it and we would make a plan right like maybe i can't continue doing this for a while maybe i have to get a job or maybe like we'll work it out so that like he pays for it first and then like i'll pay later like we can talk about it right like that's what being a team is about yeah but the way that he just shot me down i i couldn't even say anything i was so dumbfounded and they never brought it up ever again <laughs> i was like you know oh, you know it's funny so i have two and one of my best friends that was in my wedding he has four and i remember like when i was having my second i said to him i was like my biggest concern is just money and he goes oh dude i have four kids you're never gonna have enough money he's like just have them <laughs> just, like, you're never gonna have enough money so like but it's just funny it's like he's making more money than you oh you little shit right Who cares? like let me just say let me just say he's making yeah. four times what I was making. But like you're, if you're if you're together, if you're having kids together, you're a goddamn team. So was it matter? <laughs> right? You know? And the funny thing is, is that when I was married, we never shared bank accounts because I was making more money than her and I never trusted her. Ooh. And now she's trying to come after me for all the money that I wouldn't give her because that pissed her off that I wouldn't share my money with her. But Obviously, like I paid for the rent, I paid for the house. Like she wanted for nothing, but I knew. Another example that I talked about on this podcast is um, my Amazon uh, credit card. My credit card was on the Amazon account, and she would charge like eight hundred dollars a month to Amazon, and I'd be like, "What? How am I supposed to pay for this?" I was like, "Listen, it's okay if you're like buying things for the kids. Please just let me know." And then the next month, I would keep getting other account. I mean, other charges. So like, I had to cut her off. So. It's weird because, like, you know, I'm sure her side of the story is, oh, no, you know, he controlled me financially and shit like that. No, you were charging like $800 on Amazon and making me pay for it while I'm paying the rest of the bills in the house. Oh, man. Yeah, that's unfair. And and that's honestly, I think that's toxic. You should have con- these conversations. You should talk about it because, like, if it's family stuff, you know, you want to make sure that you guys can, can survive and uh, yeah. get that done. And if it's not, then you should take responsibility. I mean, I, I don't expect him. I didn't expect him to pay for anything of my own, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I know when I was shopping, I'm going to use my money, not your money. I, like, and I, I think I think that's a kind of a common thing that I hear from women about men is that like men are afraid that women are trying to take the money that they don't even fucking have. Like, I don't know why men do that. That's not me. I'm, I don't That's so funny. You know, but like I hear that a lot from women. It's like this guy is worried. Like it's just such a bullshit thing about men. Like, yeah. You worry like she's gonna take your money that you don't even fucking have. That's a funny. That's a, that's a funny and also re- it's refreshing to hear that from a guy. That's so funny. I didn't yeah, know. Like, listen, I don't think gender roles at all. I know men are stupid, and like, I've had my bad experiences with women too. So tell us about, was music, like, universally your entire life, was that your outlet? Or how did you discover that you had this talent? Ooh, uh, I, well, I don't know if I have a talent. Uh, I'm just very dogged in my pursuit. Oh, yes, you have a talent. Dude, <laughs> uh, you know, you and I were talking before we got on this podcast. And, you know, before I got on, I said, you know, hey, I'm not, I, I was like, hey, Google. I want to say it quietly so it doesn't set off everybody else's things. I was like, hey, Google, play How to Spot a Narcissist by Sasha M. And so the, it went through the song. And then the following song that came on was Fantasy by Mariah Carey and then Take a Bow by Madonna. So you're in good company. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Spotify, for putting me in the League of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the biggest compliment ever. Um, but thank you, thank you. It's very kind. I um, I think I discovered music 
a little bit later on. So like I'm very much a performer. I'm not like a musician. I'm a yeah. performer. And I when I first started, honestly, when I was seven years old, you know, like in school, your teacher will ask you, like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And some people will be like firemen or policemen or whatever. And I'll be like, I want to be a performer. I was seven. Okay. <laughs> I've been on stage probably like three times in my life. But then I was like, I love this. This is what I want to do all my life. And then um, and then I think I started out in dance. Okay. Um, and then I uh, went, I, I did like traditional dance. <laughs> it was like Asian traditional stuff. And then I went to hip hop. And then I actually went into belly dancing, which is a niche um, that got me a that got me a cool gig actually um, at Universal Studios, which I love. It's still the highlight of my performing arts career. Um, and and then um, I started getting into acting. Um, I actually studied theater studies at school. I almost went to NYU. Tish, by the way, I got accepted. <laughs> that I have been buddies. We would have been doing I, this episode live. No way. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Um, yeah, I imagine. But yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I I was just so happy to get accepted. And then. And then I did theater studies in, in Singapore. And then, yeah, and then I did music, I think, the last. So it's crazy, right? Like, I started when I think, like, there was an a cappella group that sort of came to my school, you know, like, after the exams. And then they have these uh, activities, like, post-exam activities. And they called it sabbatical. So so for my sabbatical, I chose to join this a cappella group. And that's when I, like, really started doing a lot of music. Like, before, I would just be singing at home. I'll be the kind of kid that, like, would listen to songs when they came out. You know, there used to be MTV and then like um, songs would come, the, come on the TV and then I would love the songs so much I would buy like little CDs and then um, I would listen through the whole CD and I would memorize all the lyrics to all of the songs and <laughs> I remember I grew up loving Linkin Park. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen Linkin Park twice, you know, before no. Chester died. I oh love like I mean I you know debatably I'd say they're my top five bands ever. I love Lincoln oh, Park. Yes. You yes. know I'm I'm a 39 year old guy and I grew up in the 90s and I love like the new metal like the Lincoln Park yeah. and Limp Bizkit and Slipknot and stuff. That's all my. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, I freaking love Lincoln Park. Uh, Slipknot maybe like too extreme, but like <laughs> Lincoln Park 100. I um I was in love with Hybrid Theory. Um, I, I would have like a little notebook, like a small one, literally just like the size, a small, uh, thumb size. Yeah. And I would write, I would squeeze all the lyrics to the songs, like onto one sheet. And I'll try to fit all the lyrics onto this one little, like, like thumb size <laughs> piece of paper. And every page would be like a lyric sheet. It would, you know, it's so that. funny. I, so I have one tattoo. I have one tattoo and my friends are like, oh, are you ever going to get more tattoos? I'm like, no, because my body will end up looking like a high school notebook. Like, it'll end up being like, my entire body would be song lyrics. That's all. Oh, like, what's, is your tattoo a song lyric? No, it's, uh, it's funny. It's, you know, I should tell this story one time. I have the word resiliency tattooed on the inside of my arm. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And oh, I got that when I was 22 years old. So... I got some good stories behind that as at you know as it applies to now. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, my body would look like a, a it was like a lot of lyrics. Like, <laughs> like the lyrics to in the end would be like across my Yes. <laughs> I love paper cut. It would be like <laughs> like that I think try to take the best of me. Yes. All right, yo. <laughs> Don't you think those songs like delayed our relationships? Since I already since I already used your song as song of the day, we're using a Lincoln Park song for yes. <laughs> Right on. That's awesome. So yeah, so you were a performer. You considered yourself a performer before a musician. What inspired you to write this song? Did you help writing it? Was it all just from experience? I mean, what was the process behind writing How to Spot a Narcissist? Ooh, okay. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say that this song happened right after I broke up with my ex of 10 years <laughs> so it was definitely that fuel. that's an amazing cathartic outlet mm, yes you're right you're right um it was it was actually so poetic um maybe I can like go a little bit into the story of the breakup Ooh, yeah for sure that's why you're here <laughs> oh no like, um, it's 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 very poetic so basically we had like a massive fight I was on a I was on a work trip uh, his work trip actually I joined him on a, on his work trip 
in in Spain in Madrid, and I didn't want I didn't really want to be there because I could be with my songwriting friends and they were in they were in London and uh, they were going to go to Manchester and they were going to continue to write songs and I'm like oh my songwriting friends I I rarely get to see them right because we have to travel and stuff but then I was like fine I'll cut short that trip and join you on your work trip and then um it ended up being such a toxic time like it was a one full week of sort of like just being like him being mad at me for whatever reason or like him you know not wanting to make plans with me not not respecting my time sort of like expecting me to go along with every single thing and like like I, I just thought okay maybe we can have one day when we can go out and on a date right like just the two of us like not with work buddies and not with like people that you know in Madrid you know just like us and um I kept asking can we set a date like can you tell me when you can, you're free I'll plan everything right and he just refused to, to give me a date and that's kind of like characteristic of him in the sense like he never wants to he never wants to plan anything with me and that that also feeds into the whole like not feeling very respected and not feeling very um liked even <laughs> at some point like why do you even want me here like why am i even here you know like, you don't even want to spend time with me so i felt really neglected very like disrespected um and then we had like a massive massive fight <sighs> over a very trivial trivial thing it's always a trivial thing it's always a trivial um, thing yeah <laughs> Always. Um, this one was about laundry. So, shout out to everyone who. Shout out I don't know what it was. I already know the argument. <laughs> right. What's it with having? And it was so, so not worth it. And now, if anybody says the word laundry, it's like, nah, yeah. Dog, we start like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now I have PTSD on laundry. I, I swear to God. And then. <laughs> If I meet a guy out there, he better be good with laundry. Like, <laughs> I swear to God, I think the, my favorite line in your whole song is, when you need it. <laughs> Every little thing, like, now I got to fucking deal with laundry for the rest of my life. And it's funny, but it's not funny. It's like, I just, oh my God, you remember that time? Like, yeah. <laughs> remember that time? Like, it, it just triggers. It just triggers you, right? <laughs> So yeah, and and then it was a stupid argument, and then I th- that was it. He left. He went back to Singapore. I uh, I actually got on a bus, and I took a twenty four hour bus, okay, between Madrid, all the way through the south of France into Italy, where I was gonna meet another songwriting friend, our uh, friends, and it was a twenty four hour bus ride where I was just crying the whole time, and I I kept like texting him because like the thing is that. We had resolved it. And this is the thing also I think about um, narcissists is that like it's only over when they say it's over. And so when I thought we had resolved it, right, we'd moved on and we were fine. And then like one or two days later, he's super cold and, you know, he's like acting weird. And I'm the one who has to say, hey, like what's going on? And then he comes and says, oh, you know, that day I, I think it wasn't right what you did. You were being, you were totally out of line. And I was like, what the hell? Like, did this just happen five minutes ago? Or are we talking about the thing that we had already resolved like two days ago? <laughs> I'm so confused. That's their line all the time. They're like, let it go. It happened yesterday. And it's like, yeah, but it was never resolved. Like, that's always my problem. It's like something would happen. They're like, oh, let it go. And I was like, no, because it was never resolved. And there's a pattern yeah. of things like always come up again. Exactly. And if they think that it's fine, then they'll be happy to move on. And No, no, it's not when they think things are fine. Mm -mm. No, Uh, sorry. Respectfully, it's not when they think things are fine. It's when they don't want to take accountability for their shit. So when you say you did bah, right? Like, hey, you you said this about me then. They're like, oh, it happened two years ago. Let it go. But like when they say something about you, you're going to never live that shit. Oh my god, that I just got goosebumps because that is exactly what happened all yeah. the time. Yeah. See, it's yeah. like almost like they say like dog whistling. Like we don't even have to give the analogy, but we just get each other. Like all of these narcissistically abused survivors, we just get each other. Yeah. yeah. I'm not it is yeah, it's ridiculous. So so when the good thing was that I was in Italy with good friends. And these are songwriting friends. I think the good thing also about um, songwriting is that it's kind of like therapy, right? So when you're around people that write songs, um, we're used to, or we have had the practice of delving into how we're feeling, um, you know, uncovering um, like uh, meaning behind the things that that are going that we're going through right now, 
um, you know, finding connections, you know, drawing patterns and stuff like that. And also, you know, finding the beauty, you know, often we try to find the beauty, but sometimes we also discover the ugly side of things, right? And unfortunately, in this case, I, you know, as I talked about it, I discovered that, you know, I thought it was it was fine. I thought we were okay. We've been doing this for 10 years. Like, you know, everything's fine. But like, honestly, there is a lot of ugly underneath all of that. And I just needed, you know, a, a safe support system to to really uncover that because I, I, I'm not used to, you know, having support. I'm not used to being able to say like, okay, this is enough. You know, I don't want to accept any more bullshit. Right? I will not accept any more abuse. This is abuse, right? Like it, I have never really been able to see that because I lived with this all my life, right? <laughs> so, so like when other people are telling me this is unhealthy, this is not right, you know, that's when you kind of open your eyes and you're like, well, maybe it's not. So honestly, God, like the best therapy, songwriting and having good people around you. <laughs> so, let me, so let me ask you this. When you started putting pen to paper, did the words just start flowing out of you or how did that work? Yeah. Oh, yeah that 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 phrase um actually that whole uh chorus or pre-chorus that what? all four lines just blew out like it was like one by one he points out your mistakes two he wants his way on the highway three you both fall back on the same ways till you need a therapist that's how you spot a narcissist that all just came out at once and i was like this is a song this is a song we have to make it happen <laughs> you know it's funny i also like the line where you say um you're growing. He doesn't like that. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm growing now. Yeah. Narcissistic abuse. And boy, does she not like it. <laughs> that is awesome. And and that's it, right? Like, they'll resent you because, like, the more that you grow, the harder it is for them to control you because they're so used to you being, like, a little small package that, you know, they can, they can manipulate. Um, my, my next actually used to say, um, you so literally like make me small like he would use diminutive terms like oh you're so cute you're so tiny you know you're yeah. so little um and you know that's like that's cute and affectionate um when you use it sometimes but like yeah um he used it to the extent that even when i was you know wearing a beautiful dress like i was in a gown right <laughs> i was wearing lots of makeup like i or, or like when i was doing something awesome like uh i don't know i i did i, I kicked ass at work or something i was telling him a story about how like, i kicked ass it would never be like, wow, you're awesome. You're amazing. I respect you so much. It would always be, you're so cute and you're so tiny. Right. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like that's when you realize that he doesn't see you for who you are. He just sees whatever image he has of you in his mind. <laughs> you know, you're not a real person to him. You're a kind of, I used to say that all the time. It's like, I don't understand how you see me. Like, I know who I am and the way you see me. I said this since day one, the way she saw me was like, this version that she created in her head of me and it's not even remotely close to true you know yeah but listen yeah. sasha we're coming to the end of the hour and i absolutely love 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 your song do you have i mean so you have like multifaceted experiences with <laughs> narcissism what's your best advice i always ask people this at the end of every episode what's your best advice for people who may be in a parental narcissistic relationship? What's your advice for people who might be in a romantic relationship? Otherwise, what do you got for people? Wow. Um, well, honestly, I know it's uh, tough. I put you on. <laughs> I know. No, no, it's good. It's good. Um, I've been thinking about this too. Like, I'm not, you know, the most qualified person because I'm still learning, but I can say I've had a lot of experience. And I'm currently, I'll, I'll share what I'm currently doing. So hopefully that helps somebody out there listening. Number one, I would not have learned or be become aware of narcissism if I didn't have good examples around me to learn from. Um, I'm so lucky to have had, you know, good friends that were really there for me, that showed me empathy, support, uh, love, care, you know, just accepted me for who I was. And it took many years of having good friends like that that love you unconditionally, you know, even when you're acting out, even when you're being a bitch, um, they're still there for you, right? That they're they're always constant and then you can rely on them and then you can trust then you start to like soften up and 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 learn that you don't have to always be fighting all the time so really that saved that saved my life i think um always have good friends and uh, like keep good people around you um that would be the main thing um i think also sometimes the problem if you're not 
aware of um, if you're not yet able to to like spot a narcissist or you're not able to to identify what a good loving relationship actually looks like you might yourself be sort of resistant to people's advice so i think i would advise you um anyone out there just like try and keep an open mind and like if someone is trying to tell you something don't just dismiss them right off like even if you dismiss them on the spot remember that they said that because like if the next person tells you the same thing and the next person tells you the same thing there is a pattern and like maybe you should wake up and look at it you know yeah i totally get what you're saying 100 percent. yeah so yeah i hope that helps um i'm still also learning so many more things and um like avidly consuming podcasts and <laughs> um watching videos and um, reading on the internet um i'm also starting to go for therapy i went right after i uh I did my breakup and Honestly, like I think therapy should be an ongoing thing. If if you have access to therapy, you should absolutely do that. Um, I do a lot of journaling as well now. So almost like every time I have some issues, I do tons and tons of journaling, and that just really helps to like clear my mind and put things down. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, like finding a cathartic outlet, I think, is such a big deal. And that's how that's how this podcast started out for me. It was just like, I, you know, it's funny. I I used to download those um things in your phone that would be like, okay, time to journal. And I would journal a little bit and I'd be like, I can't do this. And then like when I decided to do the podcast, this became my weekly journal. And it's like just a recap of, of you know, how I be, you know, what was going on in my life. And it was funny, early on in this podcast, I gave this analogy. I, I have, I call it like my imaginary tape measure. And from week to week, I can see how far I've grown, like week to week, month to month, year to year, whatever it may be. And you can see how far you've come. So I love your cathartic outlet. Your cathartic outlet resonates so much with me. Um, I, I'm always, always, always pumping that. That when it comes on my card too, that's got to feel so good. I love when people send me a picture and be like, hey, your podcast is on in my car. I was like, oh, that's me with the Lincoln Park when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And also um, another fun thing, when since you talked about um, creative outlets, um, I actually have been experimenting with more creative outlets and um, after the breakup especially I was in such a rut that like um, the the song the song had been written and, uh, and I was like I can't write more songs because I don't have my song friends around me what can I do about myself and then I started to try comedy and that's when I started like making these these reels um, where <laughs> the whole shtick is about like um Finding like being an aspiring Russian sugar baby and finding a rich husband. I was showing that on your profile, and then you said from Singapore, and I was like, Russian. I'm not Russian. Russian. I know. Whoa! (laughs) Damn it! I've been identified as not being Russian, but you know that's why I'm an aspiring, aspiring Russian. No, now I get the joke. I laughed at that. I laughed at that because I read it. I was like, huh. Oh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it was just so fun. It was just like a way for me to like, you know, um, <laughs> I was inspired by like, characters on the internet who, who they just looked like they were so confident. They were like, oh, I'm, I'm a sugar baby. I get what I want. I know what I want and I get it. You know, like, I'm just like, oh, my God, I want to be them. <laughs> I just started making these these um, reels, which literally like the first one was just me kind of like um, raw and angry and like making sarcastic jokes about about my next and like i don't know associating him with a, a bicycle that had like deflated his tires i don't know <laughs> there's like there's a, some puns now like a whole bunch of puns <laughs> tell the listeners where they can follow you and they can find your music and everything oh yeah totally so um you can go on instagram i'm super active on instagram um that's sasasha.m it's sasasha.m i don't know right. it's confusing um that's where i post my music and that's also where i post my comedy reels um, and also I travel a lot. So nowadays I, I post like when I'm traveling. So, if, you know, people are in, in town, uh, sometimes I, I love the opportunity to meet people. Um, so there's that. And then, um, yeah, you can hear my music on Spotify, Apple Music, etc. I also want to do a little shout out that um, I wouldn't be able to do my music if not for my Patreon. So if I could do a little quick plug. Um, I've had Patreon since 2020. And that has been the thing that kept me going um, that helps me to like fund all the like costs of making music and you know the production is super expensive and marketing is super expensive so um yeah if anyone uh, loves my music and wants to support my work um i would encourage you to kindly go and check out my patreon patreon.com slash sasasha music 
um and yeah otherwise i'm just happy to you know share my music on um spotify and on youtube yeah you rock you absolutely rock and i appreciate the hell out of you doing this episode it's so nice that we could do it even though i know that we're on opposite sides of the world and <laughs> you're ready to go to bed and i'm ready to start my day but sasha thank you so 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 much for doing this everybody go check out her music follow her on instagram and uh yeah i absolutely adore you thank you so much Thank you. Likewise, thank you, Mike, for creating this safe space. Honestly, it's been so cathartic. And I feel so much better knowing that there's a community of people who are like me. Um, I'm so happy to be part of this. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Until next time.